Hello, friends, and welcome to another Robcast. I am here in the back house with beloved new friends, Vanessa and Rob Ryersey. That's right. And, okay, you guys hang with me on this story, because Vanessa has the microphone, and I'm going to interview her, and then she's going to hand the microphone to Rob, and I'm going to interview him. So... And it's all going to start to come back around, right? That's right. <laughs> so we welcome. So. Thank you. Um, you all live in Fayetteville, Arkansas? Fayetteville, Arkansas. Okay. I talked to Rob and Vanessa on, I did a tour this summer of the Bible Belt, and they told me a story about what happened when Vanessa heard an episode of the Robcast that came out in January, mm-hmm. the week of the inauguration. Yep. Uh, the week of the inauguration... I had Zach Exley on the podcast. The episode is called Zach Exley Has a Plan to Save Us mm-hmm. or the U.S., yes. depending on how you look at it. And his premise was that Congress has like a 13 or 14% approval rating, mm-hmm. but like a 91 or 92-something percent return rate. So Zach talked about how he'd been a part of the Bernie Sanders campaign, the Obama campaign, going way back... Um, and how he was like, why don't we get real people who are actually running America, teachers, entrepreneurs, et cetera, and have them run for Congress to represent us? Because that seems like it would be closer. So that, that was that podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you heard that podcast and something happened. So we're going to get to that, folks, at some point. You can tell I'm so excited. <laughs> I just want to jump all over this story. But we've got to be patient. Because when you hear it, you're going to be like, that's a story. So... Let's back up with you, Vanessa, and go... You and Rob moved to Arkansas 12 years ago. 12 years ago, yeah. And why did you move to Arkansas? Well, we decided um, after 10 years in traditional uh, fundamentalist churches that we were 30 and we did not want to die fighting over whether or not Rob needed to wear a tie to Sunday evening service or not. (laughs) The big Um, battles. Yeah, yeah. The real life-changing things that we had given our lives to. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, So, um, yeah, we decided we were going to start a a very different kind of church. And so we chose this beautiful place, Fayetteville, Arkansas, to start the church for a bunch of different reasons. Um, What what are those? For those of us who aren't familiar with... This is Northwest Arkansas? Northwest Arkansas, For those yeah. of us who have no idea what that means. Oh, it's so great. Okay, so you have to understand where we were coming from. We had been in, in the middle of Michigan, right in the middle of the mitten. And um, while we were there, that was right after September 11th, and a lot of their industry is cars and you know, a lot of other things. And basically the town where we lived, um, adults were working at McDonald's. That was like hmm. a good job. Um, the economy was just so bad. And so we knew we needed to be, if we were going to start something new, we needed to be someplace where people are open to new ideas. And they couldn't be afraid and and be so financially strapped that they couldn't try something new. And that's the way it was in Michigan. We also knew that we wanted to be um, close to a university because we felt like we were going to try some new ideas and we wanted to be around people that were open to new ideas. And we felt like being in a university town would make a difference. So the U of A is there. Go Razorbacks. Um, so we figured that was, that was a good thing. The other, place, the other thing was we wanted to be in an area of the country that was growing. And at that point, um, Northwest Arkansas was on track to be the size of Dallas in 
you know, 10 or 12 years. Of course, the the economy bottomed out for a while, but even where we were, it was still really, really growing. And it's still growing. It's an amazing area. Um, so there's always new growth and new buildings and new ideas and new things happening. Of course, we're in the backyard of um, a couple of big corporations. Walmart headquarters is in Bentonville, which is, is just real close by. And then Tyson Chicken is there. Um, and then a big trucking company called J.B. Hunt. Um, Does that contribute new ideas? It does, actually, because Walmart has um, a situation where every company that you see represented in a, in a Walmart, they have an office that has to be represented. And so that office has to be staffed and that those people are coming from all over the world. So when you go and you go to the square in Bentonville to the farmer's market, you're going to see a global crossroads of all these different cultures because Northwest all Arkansas these is filled with people from all over the yes. world. I did not know that. Yes. It's amazing. It's fantastic. We love it. So you start this new community. Yes. And you have a bunch of ideas, like an art project. Pretty You're much. like, we got these ideas we're going to try. Yes. Yes. And what happens? Um, initially, um, it did not go all that well. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, they were not like, you know excited and greeting us there with a, you know, a thousand people to come to our church. We, uh, you know, it's the, it's the South and there were a number of mega churches in the area. Um, one of them was actually really nice to us and they gave us some place to live while we were trying to sell our house in Michigan. And we lived in that house for, it was supposed to be three months. We were there for eight months. They took really good care of us and were really kind. And they said, listen, we'll fight over the last unchurched person in the area. But since there's plenty of unchurched people, we're, we'll support you for a while. So they were super nice. <laughs> That's that was the weirdest conversation ever. I know, ever. I know. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, initially it was really slow. Uh, we had we had this this model in place that we had that we had learned at a at another mega church, and we were supposed to follow kind of this this path, and then it was just going to explode like a rocket, and we were going to have a thousand people. We were going to break the hundred people barrier by, you know, so many months in. Well, of course, that didn't happen, and so. Rob was working um, a regular, well, <laughs> see, we had been in ministry our whole lives. So all he had on his resume was Bible college this and seminary that. And so nobody wanted to hire him because they didn't, he didn't have an experience doing anything else. So he got a job <laughs> teaching at a Christian school <laughs> part-time. <laughs> he had no skills. No. Well, he had plenty of skills, just nobody, not, not on paper. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so he, uh, so he got a job at a, at, a, at a little Christian school that was part-time. And then he also worked at a, um, at a Christian bookstore. Um, which <laughs> you said I can say whatever. So it was called Family Christian Store. And I say it was neither family nor Christian nor bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> so he worked, he worked Sundays, he worked holidays, he was gone all the time. Um, and I was in this little house in the middle of nowhere with three little kids. Um, we only had one car. Um, he was gone all the time. And then... Um, for the first year we were getting ready to plant the church, we had barely any friends. I didn't get a chance to see anybody because we were working all the time. And then once the church started and there were like, you know, 20 people that were showing up and we were in a movie theater at the time, I kind of hit this thing where I, I said, you know, we've got this house in Michigan, we're going into debt each month, another thousand dollars. I mean, we're up to our eyeballs in debt. We've got, this is not working. And I said to him, like, listen, I'll give this a, I'll give this a year and then I'm done. I'm out. This is not, this is not working. 
Um, and at this time, he's the pastor. He's the pastor. And you're basically doing just as much work, but in this world, what is where is a woman's voice in this world? Uh, child care. <laughs> okay, so in this world that you are in, a, a woman is not fully empowered no. to be everything she's here to be. No, no I'm like totally, like I, this is totally my world. I'm totally invested. I'll do anything for this, anything for the kingdom of Jesus, right? So like whatever sacrifice I have to make, I'll do this. Um, so if that's, you know, that's having people over for like meetings to try to talk about what we're doing or just holding our family together while he's off to work or, you know, and setting up for services and making coffee and just, you know, being the hostess and, you know, pretty much what I had done for 10 years. But you say then you, you are like, no, one year. I'll get, yeah, this is crazy because at some point like this is, this is going to kill our family. And I can't imagine that God wants our family to go down the toilet on like for the benefit of this imaginary right. church that we've dreamed up, right? <laughs> so, like, I just love how you, for the benefit of an imaginary church we've dreamed up. Yes, yeah. So the, so for you, the whole thing is like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. And then what happens in that year? Um, we that, that night when I told him that, we had a huge fight. We stayed up all night long. And he said, okay, um, you're right. Our family, our, fr- our family matters. And this is all I know how to do. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So you're more important. Our family's more important. So, okay, let's see what happens. So the very next week, um, we were getting ready for the service and making our little coffee pot. And about two minutes before the service started, like 50 people walked in. And they were from a church that had um, that had folded like suddenly without any warning. They were another like church startup and they didn't have any place to go. And so they would just call one another up on a Sunday morning. Like, okay, let's go try this place. I saw, I saw a sign for this. Let's go try it. And so um, they're like, okay, let's try you out. Let's go see Vintage Fellowship, whatever that is. And these 50 people walked in and we just kind of looked at one another like, well, this could work. So not all of them stayed, but some of the best people on the planet stayed. And um, the church kind of made it. <laughs> it's he had another it. job. He had, yeah, he had another full-time job. And so what he did was he kind of parlayed um, Christian school and bookstore. He had bookstore knowledge. So he knew about books. So then he got a job with a used textbook company that also had a, it was sort of like, um, what's it, what is that called? Like the... It was called God's World Book Club, but it was kind of like the, do you know, like the little <laughs> magazine the kids get? Like These names are yeah, unbelievable. I know. I, what is it called? Scholastic. Scholastic Book Club. Scholastic. Like, you know, those little folders your kids get, like they come home from like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was like that, only it was Christian books. So they had, they had a division that was that. It was all little Christian books. And that was his, that was his gig. Um, and then that company folded, but they're like, you're really good at this. You seem to have a, a head for this. So we're going to keep you. We don't even know what we're going to keep you for, but just hang around and try to learn whatever you can, and then we'll find a spot for you. So he did that for a while. And um, then he, so he, he tra- taught himself how to do all kinds of stuff with the textbook industry. And so he ended up at, at the head of their division of, I don't know, private online bookstores for private schools. I guess that's what and it was. You are more, and you are more and more interested in what's happening in this community or less and less? Where, how are you 
and your role and your involvement in this thing as it progresses? Oh, I'm totally invested. I mean, vintage is our vintage is the is the thing that this is what we do. This is like this is what we're here for. This is what matters. And then we just figure out ways, to, you know, gig mentality to like get get yeah. the bills paid so we can keep doing this. And then what begins to happen with your voice? Well, so <laughs> I, I kind of found my voice um, through a funny medium. Um, I found what I, would, what I used to do when we lived in Michigan and then I started doing it when we went to Arkansas just to pay the bills was I'd go around and buy up antiques and things from garage sales and I would sell them on eBay. And then Etsy happened and, you know, every mom could have a little Etsy store. And so I found like the Etsy store. But what I was, what was happening was in Michigan, you could find all kinds of really great antiques. But when you got to Arkansas, that wasn't an area of the country that had a lot of wealth of just regular people. So what I would find was a lot of broken stuff. And so I started, I was, I've always liked dishes and I would buy these dishes that were like a hundred years old, but they've got a crack in them or whatever. And so I'd always thought, well, there's got to be something you can do with this. And so I was able to parlay that into making broken china mosaics. And so then I was doing craft shows and kind of just finding my Wait, voice as an broken, artist. What's a broken china A broken mosaic. china mosaic. It's sort of like, okay, so a lot of the mosaics around here are like the little squares of tile. And that's kind of like the Spanish influence or whatever. Yeah. But broken china is like you, like you can take a plate and cut it up into pieces and create patterns and mosaics and design like... That you would hang on the wall. That right. you would. You can put. You can put on anything. You could do walls. You could do. I. I mean, the kids joke. I'm gonna mosaic their underwear. But like, <laughs> literally, like any. I mean, cake plates and birdhouses and and then. But then you're like, okay, well, how do you take this like sort of sweet like grandma kind of thing and make it interesting? So then you like you start writing like funny things like this sucks on a silver platter, you know, just like. So then all of a sudden you would take a silver platter, right? <laughs> This sucks on it. In broken plates. In yes. broken plates and yes. then sell it. Yes. Okay. So you're trying to figure out how to make money and you're like, I should go around to garage sales, buy broken china. I should do, <laughs> I create I new know. designs with shrapnel yes. of grandma's china, yeah. including writing this sucks in mm-hmm. old china on a platter and somebody somewhere will buy it and somebody does. And they do. How many? How much does somebody pay for that this sucks? Like 45 bucks. <laughs> So you have like a, it's not even a side hustle. It's like a, I don't even know what that, it's so (laughs) awesome. And you're like paying some bills. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a feisty, scrappy thing to you that's starting to come out here. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. So. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great story. Okay. So the, the. The thing is, it's like, everybody's like, oh, we love this. This is so cool. But it's not scalable, right? It's This yeah. is not like a business where I can like, you know, oversee like, you know, right. a, a sweatshop of people making <laughs> right. these. Right? Go this out is to the garage like, sales like, right. this weekend and come you're, back yes, and build like, my empire. This Got is it. like, you're sort of limited. And then you start to realize like, okay, physically my body can't do all of this either. Yeah. Like, um, and then on top of that, then we very unexpectedly got pregnant with her, with our last kid who was 10 years younger than her siblings. So that was like and sort you have of a, a surprise. You, you have a, the oldest to the youngest yeah. in your family is 15 years? Uh, yeah. You have a 15-year gap. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Noted. So, <laughs> I mean, basically it comes down to like, listen, you can't breastfeed and break China at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like these are not activities that go together. I think together we've well. all had that. 
we've all come to that awareness at one time or another. You know, you can be as creative as you want to be, but this is not going to work. Um, so, I, you know, I knew that having this baby was going to sort of change the tra- the trajectory of what I was thinking about. That like, okay, so what what opens up from here? And it, all it started to dawn on me, the reason I was doing all of this, the reason I was making this art, like the reason I was exploring this this way of being expressive and like using these these broken things, like it was to pay the bills so that we could do this thing that was the main thing. And that was the church. And so that was the thing that mattered the most to us. And I began to realize this is what your whole life has been about. From the time you were a tiny little kid, this is what you wanted to do. You wanted to be in the life of the church, nurturing people and, and, and doing this. And so all of these other things are just a path to get to that. Mm-hmm. So, so we started, I mean, there would just be times where it was really important to us as we kind of grew in our awareness of what the world needed. The, we realized that the world needed to hear more women's voices. And so Rob would say, well, why don't you try and speak? I'm like, okay, I'll try it. Okay. Um, lead this, lead this group, lead this class. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm going to, okay. I'll try that. And I, like, I began to realize like, I have something to offer there. There's something to say about the experience, um, about your spiritual life that is feminine and there's no way that these guys can say anything about it because they don't know what it's like. They don't know what that's like. They can't see that. They can't feel that. They don't know what it's like to nurse a baby and realize that that has something incredibly spiritual to teach you. Like, mm. yeah. I always think about it like the Bible opens with this poem in which the divine, the human, the male and female reflect the divine. And so there's this divine masculine, this divine feminine. And if you only have one, mm-hmm. you don't have You're missing a the whole image of the divine. Yeah. Uh, like it's that straightforward. Yeah. Oh my word. So you begin to do more and more and more. And then what? Well, um, so it dawned on us that one of the things that we thought would be really interesting is to give the church the opportunity to ordain me. Because that would be a cool experience for them, and it would also be, it would also give me the sort of confidence of having this back, this group of people. And how do you explain say, ordained to somebody who's never heard that term? That's like a community saying, "This is one of our leaders." Is that how you would describe yeah. it? Yeah, it's it's an opportunity for them to corroborate. Like this isn't just somebody who wants to take over the mic and like take yeah. control. This is somebody who we actually trust and believe in, and we wanna we wanna say that in a formal way so that other people recognize. Like she she didn't just skate into this. She's got 15 years, well, 20 years by that yeah. time of, of this world and learning and growing and reading. And we want to corroborate that. We want to say, yes, we want to we agree with her that this is where she belongs. This is what she should be doing. So the church ordains you and you become the well, pastor. One of the pastors. Yeah. We're co-pastoring. Because, and at first Rob was like, I don't know, co-pastoring, that's kind of weird. And I was like, why not? We co-parent. Why, why not? I mean, we've been functionally doing it all this time, right? Except you were getting a paycheck and I wasn't. And that was the thing. Like I was, I was kind of having this, well, I, so I had this like. That's the great injustice. Well, I had this crazy conversation with my college roommate um, from Bible college and she and her husband were trying to 
planned a church and real similar situation. And so she was saying, well, you know, if I, I've got to go and get another part-time job so we can make this work. If I could just get paid to do what I do at the church, then we could make it. But, you know, they won't do that because I'm a woman. And I just like, you know, that glass shattering moment yes. where your brain just explodes and you just think to yourself like, oh my word, like fundamentalism, all of this like women can't be in leadership thing. They don't care if you do the work. They just don't want to dignify you with a paycheck. It, it is such a primal injustice. <laughs> it, is, it is such a deep, grievous sin against half of the population. Yes. And I realize, And once you like, see it, you're like... Oh, my word. Right, right. I, you just... You, and then I and then I realized, oh my gosh, I have to do this. Otherwise, I am I am letting my church look like they don't believe in this. I'm letting my church like look like that they don't support women. I'm participating in the oppression. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. have to give them this opportunity so they can I can make honest people out of them. Like Oh, that's so excellent. Do you and then does he so you're so you're co leading. Yeah. Does he start to back away? Well, yeah. He's going to have to back away because he has something else that comes up. So he's working in, in some other job. He's leading this thing with you. Right. But you're like finding a strength and a voice yes. and a leadership spine yeah. and it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. And he's, I mean, that's the amazing thing. He's always, he's always wanted this for me, Right. He's, it's not like I had to like convince him to like be a feminist. He's not threatened. He's like cheerleading. He's yes. like, go, go. Do it. Absolutely. Yes. This is fantastic. Like, yes, obviously we should do this. This is, uh, I, I can't believe we didn't think of it sooner. This is, this is brilliant. So, yeah. And are there, so, so um, I mean, he's in the room here. We'll hear from him in a little bit, but are there things that you, that he hadn't been doing or hadn't been doing well? And when you stepped into leadership, oh. you were like, that let's just you know what I mean were there things where you were like how sad ass is this job he's been doing in this area oh he works so hard he's terrible at responding to emails so everybody like everybody's like getting their their questions answered like <laughs> so they're like really basic things you're doing and people are like you yeah. might as well have struck gold well like I mean like because, I mean, he works a full-time job, so, like, sure. he doesn't have the right. flexibility, right? Right. So, there's, there's all these We don't want to be too hard on him. Yes. Was there a moment when you did something and somebody was, like, blown away, and it was, like, a one-on-one thing, and you're like, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, you said, you said responding to emails. Well, yeah. Was, like, new territory. I mean, or even, like, listen, how about if I call the air conditioning repairman for the building? And get that taken care of so that there's air conditioning. Like, because it wasn't working and he doesn't have time to do that. But it just keeps slipping through the cracks. Like, come on now. I can do this. Like, <laughs> why did we not do this before? This is crazy. So, so you're doing this. And then, should we skip? So, we skip ahead to you and you're driving along down the road now? Should we sure. Move? Okay. Sure. So, I meet you. And when I first met you, you tell me the story. January, you're dr driving down the road in Fayetteville, Arkansas in your minivan. Yeah. And you're listening to the Robcast. I'm to the Robcast. And you're listening to Zach. Yeah. And well, I had an, I think I had another one of those glass shattering moments where I thought okay, And I, what is Zach saying and what what are you hearing and what what does it provoke? Well, you know, I I'm listening to it on the same day as what inauguration day. Yeah. And I'm like 
we've spent how many months like feeling kind of sick about, I don't know, like, I don't feel good about how the country's going, Yeah. but what do we do? And everybody's sort of wringing their hands, but there, something about the way that Zach explained it, you know, he's such an idea guy and he, he cast this, this idea and all of a sudden I saw it like an artist sees things where you see the whole picture and think, okay, I can see how these pieces go together. This could work. And I felt hopeful because it was like, these are, these are actions that we could actually take. Now, well, how would you describe the action? How would you summarize the actions he's saying that are possible to take? Regular people with a track record of showing up and doing good work who are reliable, who are decent people who care about their communities, having them get elected to do this job, to be representatives. Not beholden to corporations, special yeah. interests, actual yeah. representing, yeah. real people representing real people. Yes. And something within you was like, that... That could actually work. I think. I think that could actually work is what I was thinking. I thought, I can't wait to show this to Rob because he loves politics. He's, you know, he's always loved politics. And so I, I'm curious to see what he'll say. But I think this is, this is what he should do. Like, we're looking around all this time thinking, like, how can, we, how can we help? How can we stop this crazy? What can we do? And none of the other things that were popping up made sense for us. But that, this made sense. These are all things that he knows how to do. These are all his skill set already. Like, he knows how to learn new things. He can speak in public easily. He loves it and enjoys it. He understands politics and loves it. Like, he has served his community. He has been so faithful to all these things. And the community knows that he is a good guy. Like, this just makes sense. I was just like, I, like, just... And the other thing about it was that, like, when Zach talked about post-partisan... That made so much sense to me because the church that we started, we call it, we, we found this language is post-denominational, that it's getting beyond these sort of labels that we had been stuck in that somehow are not representing us anymore. They, and we had said, like, I just, I mean, we've been Republicans our whole lives, but not, this is not, not like this. This isn't Republican. What is this? We, nobody's representing us. And so when he said post-partisan, like, you come together, I thought, we did this. I know how this looks. I know that how this works. Because you, uh, because you had had like, God doesn't have a party, right, or a denomination. Yeah. So, you had already sort of in your spiritual yeah. work, already lived this. Yeah. So when it was like, articulated to you in the political sphere, you're like, oh yeah, we've already done all this work. We yeah. know how this works. Yeah, I can see how this would totally work. So you're driving home. Are you thinking? Do you go so? Do you go home and say to him, "I think you should run for office," or do you go home and say, "Just listen to this episode and tell me what you think"? Or how did you do it? I handed him the phone and said, "You have to do this." No and way. He, yeah, yeah. I handed him the phone. Like, just do this. And so, the yeah. phone meaning hear um, what Zach my, was. Where my podcast? Like, oh, oh, got the, it. Yeah, handing it. Yeah. So he listened. Mm -hmm. Did you watch him listen? No, I, I think I was. I think I was nervous because I was afraid that there was something naive about about me thinking this. And I was afraid he'd be like, honey, this is why this isn't going to work. You, you didn't think about this or you didn't think about that. And he didn't do that. He was like, this could actually work. I could see this. And I saw like, I saw that like creative spark on his face where he totally could see how this would work. And he, he got on board. Because normal mortals running for public office would just send a shudder down the spine. Yeah. Like, 
no way, never, I can't eat, like... Oh, we would never have done, no. 99.9% of us, I'm assuming, even listening, would be like, run for public office, are you kidding me? No way. Be a politician? No way. Like, we wouldn't even know where to... It's just a giant hairball of ambiguous terror. Yeah. And and why even bother? Because, like, politics is gross. Like, and you're doing this church thing that's supposed to be good enough, like, why even... We're already changing the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should we go to him now? Okay, what, what else do you want to say at this juncture? Or should we just go to him? I think you should go to I him. Because I like talking to you because you're really fascinating. <laughs> I think you should go to him. Okay, yeah. okay. All right, here we go. You hand him that mic and... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, the aforementioned Rob Ryersey is in the back house. Hello. Hey, Rob, how are you? Honestly, I could have talked to her for another couple hours. Yeah, she's great. Um, but we, but that's the stories we have to see where this goes. So, so you hear this and you're like, I should run for office. Well, not exactly. I mean, I, (laughs) I mean, I did come home from work one day and she, she held her phone out at me and said, you've got to listen to this. You've got to do this. And, uh, and so I listened to it and thought it was really interesting and, you know, have a lot of friends that, you know, listen to the Robcast and, uh, and started having conversations with them about, you know, is this whole brand new Congress idea something that would work? Is this something that makes sense? And I've got a I've got a good friend who is a uh, who's a a lobbyist, um, and he listened to it and had three pages of notes about why it wouldn't work. And <laughs> a lobbyist? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like fully entrenched in the system, like has a you know has a vested interest in in the current system. And he was like, no, this is never going to work. Did did you? Did that make you go, oh, he's probably right? Or did you make you go, that make you go, oh, now I know it, co- it has possibility? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the kind of person that if you tell me something isn't going to work, that is, that's motivating. So when me. people say our political system is a swamp, it's corrupt, it's all, and there's no way to change it, and anybody who gets into it gets dirty, and that's just the way it is, something within you don't go, oh, I guess, okay, I guess that's how it is. Yeah. I, why, why would we want to surrender? Why would we want to surrender, you know, one of the most important things in our country to corruption? I mean, it doesn't, it is corrupt. It is a swamp. It doesn't have to be that way. There is a solution. So how do you, what do you do when you, like, what do you do next? So I don't the, even know yeah, how you do run yeah, corrupt. How does yeah. this work? So the process with Brand New Congress is that, you know, I had a bunch of friends listen to the podcast and, and learn about it, and they went on brandnewcongress.org and nominated me. <laughs> And one, day, and one day I'm sitting on my back porch smoking a cigar, minding my own business, and my phone rings, and it's someone from Brand New Congress saying, hey, uh, this is Brand New Congress. Would you be interested in running for office? And, <laughs> and that began- Did a you pre- know they were calling Brand New Congress? I mean, and nominating I, you? I, I, yeah, I had a sense that it was happening. Yeah. But you also know, who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And so that began like an interviewing process and brand new Congress gets to know me. I get to know them. Uh, went through a, a process of candidate training, went through you know a whole bunch of, of stuff, went to uh, what, what Vanessa called Congress camp, which was uh, a couple of days of, of training with other candidates. And we spent a couple of days at brand new Congress headquarters kind of working together and, and strategizing. And then, uh, and then it was a matter of launching a campaign and getting started. And you announced. Mm-hmm. And were you <laughs> nervous? I literally have like 
like uh, butterflies thinking about that. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a couple of things. <laughs> I'm like jumpy yeah. just thinking about, hi, and I'm running, what does your t-shirt say here? Third District of Arkansas, U.S. Congress. Yeah, like, so, yeah, there was a number of things. One was, I mean, my... Vanessa had to be completely on board. You know, it was, you know, I, I say to her now, I'm like, you know, there will be a time in the future when I will be super busy and I won't be home and you'll be mad at me. And I will say all of this was your idea. You know, this was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, don't blame me. You put me up to this. But she needed to be on board. The kids needed to be on board. Uh, our The oversight team at our church needed to be on board um, completely. You know, this was not something I was going to do without, without, them understanding that this was this was something important, and then really the last hurdle was my boss. I was actually most terrified about talking to my boss about it, um, and saying, you know, hey, listen, I'm gonna. I, I I said to him, I said, you know, I think I'm gonna get involved in in some local politics, and he said, oh, you're gonna run for office. I said, yeah. He said, he said, what are you gonna run for? And I said, I, I said Congress. And he's like, oh, it's like, like federal office. He's like, I thought you meant like, like county commissioner or something. And he's like, no, no, I'm gonna run for Congress. So, uh, so that was kind of the last hurdle. And uh, and then you know we made the announcement, and um, and it that was on a Tuesday night. We you know we started the campaign. the The next day, my phone did not stop ringing all day, uh, and and so much so that uh, I woke up the n- Thursday morning. To an email from my boss saying, "Hey, did uh, did you work yesterday? Uh, because I hadn't. I was so busy responding to media and answering questions and that kind of thing that I I didn't. I, I should have taken the day off of work uh, because I didn't really get any work done that day. Yeah. Who the system as it exists? Somebody holds this position that you're running. This spot mm-hmm. that you're running for." Um, I remember you telling me that th- this person is fund- funded in essence. Yeah. So uh, my opponent is a uh, is an entrenched establishment Republican. Uh, is a a guy by the name of Steve Womack. He's uh, he's up to be the 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 chairman of the budget committee. Um, and uh, you know he is a, he's fully entrenched guy. He's never had a never had a primary opponent. In uh, in the Republican primary, uh, the last two elections, Democrats haven't even run somebody against him. He's never gotten less than seventy two percent of the vote. He's one of these people that you know everybody thinks is just completely entrenched. Uh, and and I've had people Which say, which means to me, unbeatable. Well, I've had people say to me like, "Isn't he really popular?" And I, I no, he's not really popular. He's never had an opponent, and that's there's a difference. Because uh, he's he's not actually real popular, but he's just never been challenged. Because in the party system, he was mayor of a town in our in our area. So when the congressional position came open, he ran for that. He it was like next in line. He had he had put in his uh, you know his time in the party, and so it was his turn. Are there corporate interests involved? In this? Absolutely. So you know we have as as Vanessa mentioned, um, Northwest Arkansas is home to some of the biggest companies in the world, including the. The biggest retailer in the world that um, that absolutely funds his campaign. So you know, there's a couple of things that he's known for. He's known John Oliver did a segment on him on last week tonight a couple of years ago, um, and it was all about poultry farmers and, and the poultry industry. And that's because his his biggest donor is a is a poultry company. Uh, he's, the largest chicken company in the world. Yeah, and and that and he. He's known for his support of them because of his corporate donor. Uh, he's got, you know, Walmart 
um, donates to his campaign. And so he is the leading um, proponent in Congress for an internet sales tax, um, you know, federally enforced internet sales tax, which is one of those things that like nobody wants. Does anybody want an internet sales tax? I mean, is that, is, is this a popular idea with anybody? Um, I mean, it doesn't help Arkansans. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't help anybody. Uh, but his second largest corporate donor wants it because they are in the midst of a, uh, a mortal feud with Amazon.com and they figure an internet sales tax is going to make life more difficult for Amazon. So he, of course, you know, pushes for that because his corporate, in, his corporate donors want that. Okay, you announce <laughs> what does the person holding this job think about you announcing? Uh, <laughs> uh well, he, you know, he put out, he was asked by the press and he put out a real polite, you know, a statement saying, This is the beauty of democracy. Yeah, we can blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah, okay. I can um, a mutual friend who, uh, who I know, I, I know got a text from his chief of staff that was, that would just said, Your pastor, dot, 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 WTF. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, um, about okay, six, when you heard that, are you like, what have I done? Is that no, like that sleep? made me laugh. No, about six weeks ago, he and I bumped into each other in Starbucks, and uh, and that and we had a very awkward conversation. Uh, he knew who I was, which which I was happy about. That was bonus. That's uh, a step in the right direction. He asked how to pronounce my last name, which you know that was. <laughs> That's a <laughs> dig, is what that is. Yeah, well, you know, name recognition is is important, and I and I. I suggested to him that we ought to have some debates or some, you know, voter forums, and he was not interested in that at all. So, you, um, for those of us who the idea of a debate is like our worst nightmare with a microphone, your that that for you is like good times. Well, I, you know, I take very seriously the idea that our our elected officials, and particularly our congressmen, ought to be our representatives. You know, that's actually what the job title you said that is. Like that was a new idea. I, I know. <laughs> well, you know, like that's <laughs> actually what their title is, is to be our representatives. And, you know, frankly, he, my opponent, and I would say most of our Congress people aren't very good representatives of, of average, everyday Americans. And, and I think they need to be challenged on that. And, and I, I, I think it's really important that we have forums and opportunities to say, hey, listen, you know, when you voted this way on healthcare, when you supported this initiative, when you uh, spent that money in this way, you didn't have us in mind. You didn't. You weren't taking into account real people, and the the people that you cared about were your your corporate donors, and that's a that's a huge problem. How did? Um, I remember when we met, you explained that you had to run as a Republican because if you were to run as a Democrat in Northwest Arkansas, it it would not work. Yeah, so explain the, that to me because yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't so the idea that. with brand new Congress, and, and Vanessa talked about this postpartisan idea, uh, is that th there are there are bright red districts and there are deep blue districts where because of gerrymandering and and other factors that. It's essentially a one-party system. So in Montana, uh, a, a, a Republican candidate can body slam a reporter and still get elected. In, in Georgia, Democrats can spend $25 million on a congressional campaign and still lose. 
because there are some districts that are just they go Republican year after year after year after year, and and that's not going to change. And and our district is one of those. Uh, so it, if you're going to make change and you're going to run realistically and pragmatically, you need to run as a Republican because otherwise it's just stupid. Yeah, exactly. And okay, so got it. So the idea with brand new Congress is to recruit people uh, who agree on certain principles and certain ideas uh, and agree to a platform, but will run within their party. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Republican who's kind of horrified at the direction that the party's gone. And so rather than just kind of stand back and complain about it or walk away in disgust, uh, I've decided to to, to try to you know make a change and, and fight for things to be different. It doesn't have to be this way. The Republican Party parties change and and party platforms change. The Republican Party platform in 1956 included uh, equal pay for women, included um, uh, increasing the minimum wage, included a call for expanding health care. Um, and access to labor, uh, labor it unions. Did. Yes. Yeah, like, See, this is this, the kind of thing we should know. Yeah, uh, and it, because parties change. And just because, just because a, you know, the particular leadership of a party at any one point believes a certain thing doesn't mean that that's the way the whole party believes. So it doesn't right have to right now be that, way. that we're like, what is this person saying? It's like, I'm just giving you the traditional Republican perspective. You're like, no, you're not. Yeah. The traditional yeah. Republican yeah. perspective is actually yeah. much more progressive and interesting and fresh. Exactly. And yeah, people, helpful. Yeah, okay. people, well, yeah. People say, well, aren't you afraid that you're going to be you know, labeled a rhino or Republican in name only? I said, no, no, no. The rhinos are the ones who have abandoned what the party used to stand for. <laughs> like, it's the rhinos are actually oh, the, the leadership now. And rather than abandoning the party, we need to, we need to fight. And I, and I would say, too, uh, the you know Democratic Party is just as controlled by corporate interests as the Republican Party is, and there is a need yes. for there is a need for yes. independent Democrats just as much as there is a need for independent Republicans. And the great thing about brand new Congress is I've got friends around the country now who are running as Republicans and as Democrats, and we're like we're on the same team even though we're from different parties, which is what we all. Want, like we all are like, could we get people who are shared common life together? Exactly. Oh my goodness, this is so crazy inspiring. I can't stand it. So what do the Democrat, uh, there's a Libertarian Party, like what do other parties think about you announcing? Uh, I had a really enjoyable time with the Green Party a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I could, I mean, I might end up being the first Republican in the history of the world that gets endorsed by the Green Party. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they are, they're in, someone who's willing to, what I always say is, what I want to do is, I, was, I want to put people ahead of party because the needs of people are more important than the party establishments, more important than, than, than corporate lobbyists and special interest groups. And, and there are people who agree with that uh, across the board. There's independents who agree with that. There's Republicans, there's Democrats, there's Libertarians, there's Green Party folks. And so our campaign really is embodying this postpartisan idea of, of pulling people together from all sorts of different perspectives, kind of like we've done at church. Wow, it's so interesting how your background is sort of giving you, built up all these muscles. Yeah. Um, and then do you start doing interviews? Do you... Does it pick up steam? Does no one care? Like, how? What does it? What's it like? Yeah. So it is. It's really interesting. Um, there's a. You know, initially there was a. 
big media push, especially with local media, and did a lot of stuff. And then Fox News came to our house and uh, and and did an interview, which was, uh, you know, Vanessa, Vanessa used to joke, like she's got this joke that she says that nobody cleans like company, you know, because like company's coming and like you know nothing clean, cleans like company. Uh, nothing <laughs> nothing cleans like you know Fox News coming to your house. Like you like you get you get the place picked up for that. Uh, so you know they came and and we it's been you know it's kind of leveled off since then. A lot of the campaign is about it's about building relationships with people, doing house parties, sitting down with people and saying you know ten or fifteen people at a time, kind of casting the vision, asking their question, answering their questions, um, and trying to get over that hurdle of like yeah, but I can't stomach voting for a Republican, especially at a time like now. Yeah, right. But. But you know, building relationships with people and, and getting over the those hurdles, um, you know, that's what the camp that's the focus of the campaign right now is is connecting with people and going around and listening to people. What's most surprised you? That's a great question. Um, the thing that is has most surprised me one is how uh, just really like starving for hope people are like oh, people are like m- most people feel a lot of despair about the political our political system vanessa mentioned you know i've always been really interested in politics and she's always been like really kind of cynical about it like you know this whole thing is corrupt and 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 i've always kind of viewed it as a, a fun game that i've you know have been interested in and and one of the things that she said and i've had friends say to me since then since they've learned about brand new congress is that like this is the first time that they felt hope for for our political system and and i think that there's that there's that sense that people have that like things are broken things are corrupt and and they really want something that can change that, and they're they're scared to you know to put their full weight down into it and actually trust yeah, that right, it's going right, to hold them. Yeah. You know, to use an old you know sermon illustration, I think um, you know about trusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I there's that sense of like they want to believe that this could work. They want to believe that this could make a difference, but they're but but they're not sure. You know, I one of my best friends said to me the other day. He's like, yeah, I just I just don't know. Like if if there's any hope, and 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 people ask me all the time. They say, "Oh, doesn't every politician go to Washington like idealistic about wanting to make a change and wanting to make things better?" And then like they end up getting corrupted. How will you not end up that way? And and that's a tough question to answer because you I mean you know well you know I, I'm not going to end up that way because I'm such a great guy. I'm uncorruptible. Uh, but the reality is is that. What we've what we've got with brand new Congress is an approach that will actually keep us from getting corrupted because we're not taking corporate money and we're not going alone. We're right, we're right. going together as a team. There's a larger movement exactly. that's locking arms, which is very different from just sending somebody into what feels like a lion's den and then wondering why they come out with their head chopped off. Exactly. Do you enjoy the interviews in the internet? Do you? En- yeah, what I my favorite thing that has happened so far uh, in the campaign is getting to meet people. I love especially the house parties that we do, where you know I'm sitting in somebody's living room talking with you know people and answering their questions, finding out what they're concerned about. That has been fascinating, and I have been so impressed with just the quality of people that I've met. Um, yeah, just the best people who are actively involved in in making um, 
making things better in small ways and 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 to hear their stories and to and to learn about that it it is really inspiring it's so interesting how the news chatter is so far from what it's actually like well you know Ted Koppel, who I, you know, I mentioned Ted Koppel sometimes in like young Was that people. Nightline, yeah, ABC? Young, yeah. yeah. Young people have no idea who Legendary I'm about. TV news person. Yeah. And I always, under the age of whatever. I always joke about Ted Koppel because if I'm like, once I'm a, about two weeks beyond needing a haircut, I look like Ted Koppel, which is not a, <laughs> not a good look. Uh, but Ted Koppel once said that. If you know what Ted Koppel looks like, that's a really funny thing. He yeah, just that's, said. yeah, Google that. It's not, yeah, it's not good. Um, funnier, when you, funnier when you Google it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Ted Koppel once said that a plane landing is not news. Yeah. And and like a plane crash is news. Yeah. And un, and and there's, you know, the unfortunate reality is that people doing good day in and day yeah, out yeah, yeah. is not news. Um even though it should be, but there's there's nothing sensational about that. Yeah. There's nothing exciting about that. And 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 our news system is is so geared towards getting ratings and getting people to watch that they've got to have you know the you know something big to talk about, and that often accentuates the differences. It accentuates the struggles and the problems and and the pain that people are going through, rather than you know the the really great things that are happening day in and day out all across the country. Oh, that's really well said. So um, to, to to contact you, learn more. Where, how does that work? Yeah, there's two things I would love to encourage people with. Number one is we are still actively recruiting candidates at Brand New Congress. Um, if people are, if it, it, you said in in the in the Robcast, you said right now there is a there is a mother driving a minivan somewhere in Alabama who's going to be. Uh, a congressional candidate as a Did result of listening to this. Yeah, you said that. And I mean, you were close. It was a dad driving a Prius in Arkansas, <laughs> but you know, but close. Um, and I'm, I am now a candidate as a direct result of the Robcast. <laughs> uh, and so I like, if, if people are just listening- here to serve, it, just here to serve my country <laughs> <exactly>. people. <laughs> you don't know what you've gotten yourself into. Uh, so if people are listening and, and they think, man, this is something I'd be interested in, or uh, like, my my husband, my wife would be perfect for this. I've got a coworker that would be great at this. My boss, my uncle, like if they if you know someone that would be a great candidate, and I would say parenthetically, especially Republican candidate, um, go to brandnewcongress.org. Parenthetically, Republican candidate because of the number of areas where if you're really going to move things forward, we have to go into those areas. And we have um, we have a progressive agenda. Yes. With brand new Congress, and so finding progressive Republicans is harder uh, than Got finding it. progressive Democrats. Got it. Got uh, it. So because it, it depends on where we're looking at in the country. Yeah. How do you realistically go in and make change? Well, exactly. here to go in and realize change, you would have to go in yep. wearing a Republican T-shirt. Exactly. Got it. Yep. So uh, if people are want to nominate somebody, brandnewcongress.org is the place to go. To do that, the other thing is, you know, quite frankly, uh, all of our candidacies, but you know, mine in particular, need 
support of people. You know, we, we're not taking corporate money. We want to go to Washington and actually serve the American people, actually serve the people of Arkansas's third congressional district. And that means we're not taking money from corporate donors. We're not taking money from special interest groups. Uh, we need we need the support of people. If 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 everybody listening d- kicked in five bucks, like it would be a game changer. And so, wow. I mean, it like very literally, it would be a game changer. Like my opponent right now has uh, over a million and a half dollars in his in his war chest. Uh, he began running running TV commercials last week, uh, which for a guy who has never had a primary challenge has never gotten less than seventy two percent of the vote. The fact that he's running TV commercials eight months before the primary uh, indicates that uh, you know maybe he's worried. And but you know he could absolutely destroy us with you know with how much money he has. We need the support of of people who would would kick in and help out. Uh, and if you know if everybody listening donated five bucks, it literally would would change everything. So it's Rob twenty eighteen. It's R O B B twenty eighteen dot com. That's that's, that's our it. site. That's it. Rob twenty eighteen. R O B B twenty eighteen. Um, and then there's a little there's a little button up at the top that says donate takes you to a crowd pack page where you can where you can kick in and that would be that would be a huge huge help. I'm interested in how my experience of the innovation curve is the people like in Moneyball and Brad Pitt says first people who the wall always get bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to you, I, I'm overwhelmed with the front edge of the innovation curve. The people who are like, this isn't good enough and it has to change. Yeah. And people start throwing ideas against a wall and seeing what sticks. And all the normal securities and foundations and reassurances aren't there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it might not work. Yeah, could fall flat. Yeah, it could be bust. Or 25 years later, all of our kids are going, what do you mean it used to be different? What do you mean... Politicians used to be owned by corporations. I don't understand. And you're like, oh, what do you mean women didn't used to be fully liberated to be whatever they're here to be? Um, and I just kept thinking, this, what you are talking about, for every listener who's like, this sounds completely crazy. Yeah, so did a light bulb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So did the ending of slavery. Yep. Yeah, people, um, say, people say to me, they say, well, can you win? And, and my answer, honestly, is I have no idea. I mean, we've we've done the math and we figured out what it's going to take to win, and the number of votes we need to win in a low turnout midterm mm-hmm. primary is uh, is not nearly what you'd expect, and and we think it's an attainable number. Come oh, um, <laughs> um, so, on. <laughs> um, so yeah, we think we can win, but we but there's no guarantees. But listen, I'm I would rather try. I would rather I would rather leave it out on the field and try. And and if we don't win, at the very least, we can move the, pro- the 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 conversation forward so that the next time it's it's easier for the next person who tries. Yeah, it's I love that. And uh, there have been times. I mean, for me, it gets very personal in my own work where I'm like, I've worked very hard to try and give language to something, knowing people might not get this, but a couple might. But then down the road, this might have helped somebody take a swing at it. And then people really get it. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah like I, I might go down on a ball of flames. Remember that guy? He wrote a couple of books. They're all gone. 
You know what I mean? This taps yeah. for me very... Pr- yep. but, but you might as well die trying. Exactly. And it may in some weird way have helped somebody down the road. And everybody's like, yeah, this is obvious. What's the problem? Um, oh, so good. Raise your glasses. I love it. I love it. Anything else you want um, well, f- to say? I, 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 I want to say thank you for... Thank you for having oh, have, thank you for fun. having Zach on the podcast back in oh. January. Um, it there was there was my a pleasure. day in January where I woke up and went to work and was doing my thing, and I went to bed that night thinking I might run for Congress, <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> which is I mean it's a bizarre thing to consider, um, uh, you know, because like I didn't have any political ambitions. This was not on my radar at all. Yeah, I was why. just. I was just frustrated with the system like everybody else was. Um, and so thank you for introducing us oh, to this yeah, and, and getting this started. I mean, that's, that's beyond words for me. That's amazing. It's wonderful. It's so, seriously, having you two in the back house, it's so great. And I just want to add the end. Let's just right now take a moment and think about somebody somewhere driving in their Hyundai, their Kia, their Oldsmobile, and they hear this, and they're like, my wife would do great in southwestern Missouri or whatever. I just love that thought. Yeah. Man, I'm, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Grace and peace, everyone. <laughs>